Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Struggles. Happy to have you here once again today for another, hopefully, insightful, interesting, fun conversation with me and my husband, Nathan. Hey, Nathan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. We are here today. We just were talking and planning this um, series of episodes, and we decided we're not going to make any big promises about how long this is going to take because we aren't so sure how many episodes this, um, we're, there's a lot to talk about here. And, um, we're talking about the strength of the youth. Not only are we going to talk about the hot off the presses, 2022 strength of the youth, but just to have some fun, we've gone back in time and we've spent a little bit of time, uh, together and individually studying these and comparing them. And that is what we are going to start doing today. So this is how it's going to look, you guys. Today, we're going to do a little bit of an overview in terms of comparisons and contrast, but this could take forever if we wanted to go deep into all of the details. So we're just going to hit some highlights. And then moving forward for the next couple of episodes after today, we are going to do, we're going to take 2022s for the strength of the youth, and we are going to walk through it with a fine tooth comb and really talk about doctrine and psychology and how, how we feel about some of the wins, some of the less than wins. Would that be a loss? <laughs> some of the losses. I'm just trying T to be politically correct. Ties. Some ties? of the ties. I don't know if there are any ties in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here we go. You guys, as you know, I typically, uh, you know, I, I take heavy subjects and I, I hit them head on. Well, and the reason why I do that is because what we're talking about is pretty intense stuff. It's religion, it's psychology, it's um, theology, there's some philosophy in there. But every now and then the church um, does us the favor of doing something really, really funny. And that is how we're going to begin today. So if you want to go way back in time to the first strength of the youth manuals, clear back into the 60s, we're going to kick this episode off by reading some of what our, I guess, would that be our parents? Yeah. yeah, this would be what our parents were dealing with when they were teenagers. Well, at least if you're as old as me and Nathan, it probably wouldn't be your parents if you're super young. Our parents. <laughs> It'd be our, but what our parents are. So yes. back in the 60s, we're going to talk about, this is what the strength of the youth said about clothing. Mind you, you guys, I noticed in my study or my looking at this, this is less about values and more about having, you know, the proper fashion. Yeah. Okay. So it says this clothing strapless dresses and spaghetti straps are not acceptable either on sundresses or evening dresses. Few girls or women ever look well in backless or strapless dresses. Such styles often make the figure look ungainly and large, or they show the bony structures of the body. Okay. <laughs> Next pants for young women are not desirable attire for shopping at school in the library or in cafeterias or restaurants. Any apparel that suggests a house robe should not be worn in public, but only in one's home or one's apartment. It is not appropriate for a young man to wear extremely tight-fitting pants. When driving around in cars, working in the yard or elsewhere, they should wear appropriate trousers and shirts. Shorts may be worn during actual participation in active sports. Actual participation. Yeah, that's sports. so no shorts other oh. than when you're kicking a soccer ball. Well, that's good. And, and I will start wearing pants when I drive. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's really helpful. I wonder if that was for like tractors. Maybe there was like a safety concern. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But when you're reading that, you know, I, I felt like I was on an episode of Oprah uh... and she had brought in, you know, like the, the, the fall fashion expert. <laughs> 
to read to us, you know, what, what, uh, you know, L'Oreal is saying is, is appropriate for, right. uh, for, you know, this fall season. That's right. You don't want to look ungainly or large or on the other hand, bony, bony. <laughs> okay. Let's go on to swimwear while traveling to and from the beach or swimming pools, young men and young women should be fully dressed or at least have their swimming suits covered with their outerwear. Okay, I'm on, I had to stay with fashion, you guys, because I was just too tickled by this. It just made me giggle so much. Okay, more fashion. Girls should always try to look feminine in their dress. They should not dress like boys or try to give a masculine appearance. Dress often determines their actions. <laughs> okay, sorry. What do boys do that we're getting girls in trouble? <laughs> Grubbies are inappropriate in public for everyone. A, quote, real lady does not go out in public to the market or to the shops with her hair in curlers. <laughs> Making me cough. <coughs> okay. Mm. Next is women's hair is much more becoming and flattering in a lovely natural hairdo. I think they're kind of pushing back against hair color. Maybe. Boy, we have gone to hell in the handbasket now since we brought all this. Or perms. I mean. Oh, it could be perms too. Perms Boy, we're in trouble. Perms aren't Left, natural. right, and center. Yes. Okay, back to the quote. Young men's hairs should not be too long, Nathan. Yeah. You guys, Nathan's hair is longer than mine now. He is a legitimate rebel. Okay, extreme hairstyles are equally are in equal poor taste for young men as well as for young women. Okay, let's move on. Fashion tip number, I don't know, eight, 10. Here we go. This is the topic, grooming. Looking well-groomed and immaculately clean are special characteristics which reflects the standards of the church. Not only should clothing be neat and clean, but nails, hair, and skin should have a glow of health <laughs> <laughs> that bespeaks meticulous care in grooming. Okay. Wow. I know there's, I know, I know we have to move on to the more serious stuff, but I just have a couple more. No, oh, this is great. Okay. Oh, we're, okay. We're still on to grooming. In using makeup, girls should keep in mind that cosmetics are only used to enhance their natural beauty. Excessive use of makeup should be avoided. I, I totally agree with that one. That should be in there still. <laughs> well, okay. So, so a little bit of a side note, you guys, as we were reading through this um, older manual and I am not reading you all of it, believe it or not, although it probably feels like I am. There is an actual sentence that Nathan and I 100% agreed should be in every strength of the youth manual. And it is that you should keep your children quiet while in motel and hotel rooms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and do not let them run through the halls. I don't know what was going on in the '60s with kids know. running through hotel halls that it made the strength that of the it, youth. It actually closer. made the strength of the youth manual. Nathan and I looked at each other and we're like, "I can completely endorse that." Like, why? Where did that go? Yeah, and how is that the strength of the youth? <laughs> I don't what, know. What seventeen-year-olds have kids that are running I don't through the know. halls? It I... makes me so happy and such a like. It's just so funny. Okay, last but not least, you guys, we're going to talk about acceptable dancing. Okay, this is more of a paraphrase than reading the actual sections. So what the manual talks about in terms of acceptable dancing is it actually notes four important components to acceptable dancing. Number one is one must have good posture because <laughs> <laughs> this is the basis for doing all things well in dancing. <laughs> Number <laughs> Richard Orr says how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you have your good posture in your dance, then it's going to, it's going to translate, translates elsewhere. Okay. Component number two, after good posture is dance position quote, when dancing, young people should avoid crouching, 
wait, I thought that was posture. Yeah, I got that one. We're we're actually okay. Sorry, they're they're actually blending Repetitive. points one and two. Okay. <laughs> when dancing, young people should avoid crouching, slumping over, trying to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. This must have been a real problem. Listen, stop. Okay, I got it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start the entire sentence over and try to finish. When dancing, young people should avoid crouching, slumping over, trying. Trying to do a backbend <laughs> or having too close of a body contact. Well, that one actually has kind of held on. The body, the body contact has sort of, um, it's it's had legs. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't remember the last steak dance I went to that they didn't do the limbo. Uh, you know, backbending maybe. Uh <laughs> <laughs> in the 60s. <laughs> okay. I think the, didn't the limbo start in the 60s? Maybe they were trying to be like, don't do what the rest yeah, of the world does. We're not, we're not in the world. Okay. Number three. Body movements. The quote is members of the church should be good dancers and not contortionists. <laughs> this that's is that, real. That's I'm not why I never went to church dances. Yeah, you were going to be <laughs> a contortionist. Was, I couldn't anything but contort. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, last, last but not least. And then we promise we're going to get serious here. Number four, an important component to good dancing in the 60s per the official values statement of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints is the types of music and this is what the quote is those who are called to serve on a dance committee should always review the music suggested for use dur during the dance this decision should never be left to a disc jockey or to others who may not be familiar with our standards i think that's another one that's actually kind of held on so okay you guys Woo. okay that was delightful i yeah. had so much fun doing that okay that all right maybe we should just move back to the 60s and have our entire podcast just be funny things from the 60s i don't know yeah so here's the problem i have as funny as that is okay the, the thing that concerns me about yeah. that is this feeling like the church wants to put their fingers on everything and, and i think that is an underlying problem that we still deal with what you're reminding me of Sorry, I'm coughing a lot today. The spiritually abusive system. Right. Um, one of the hallmarks. markers or the hallmarks of mm -hmm. a spiritually abusive system is micromanagement of particulars that have no consequence. Yeah. And boy, did I just read three pages of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what else is yeah. conspicuously absent there? <laughs> Everything about Jesus. Anything mentioning <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Something about Jesus going on there. There's nothing yeah. about Jesus. You know, I have a theory, Nathan. I think, and this is something that I've picked up on from my my reading about cultural shifts and how the church has tried to manage cultural shifts. I want to say I took this idea um, at large from the Tabernacles of Clay book by Taylor Petrie. And the idea is that after being social outcasts following the polygamy era, the church became hyper aware mm. of and focused on be, norms. being normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so to me, I wonder if the undercurrent of this insanity mm -hmm. is teaching our people or hyper focusing on, please just look normal, just fit in. For the... <laughs> Stop standing there. <laughs> yeah. And so that's just my theory. I have no idea. There's no basis to, for that other than, you know, I'm just putting some pieces together in my mind. No, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, but I think, I think the for me, the most important point is what you said. A hallmark of a spiritually abusive system is they want to manage everything yeah. in your life. It's the manage of a, a hallmark of a cult. Um, and yeah. So uh, fortunately, 
we have moved away from being quite that prescriptive. But um, so I had some thoughts on the uh 1990 strength of the youth which was the next one that came out so actually you got to have you got that for those the... all the way through the 80s that took us that that was well there were like four that were released in the 60s yeah. i don't know why they were just honing in towards perfection your dance skills yeah these this stuff mattered and then you there was a big break through the 70s and the 80s yeah and then you and i of course um the 90s one matters to us because right that's so really we when we were teenagers nathan right. and i were teenagers of the 90s and so um this is the one that kind of mattered for for our adolescent years yeah so my thoughts here are not going to be nearly as fun <laughs> but i would like to point out a couple things just a few things from it's gonna the be 1990 hard to compete with me right yeah no i, I can't compete with you. <laughs> but i want to read a couple of paragraphs from the introduction from the first presidency's message that really jumped out at me so here's the first one God loves you as he loves each and every one of his children. His desire, purpose, and glory is to have you return to him pure and undefiled, having proven yourself worthy of an eternal joy in his presence. Now, we talked a lot about this on our last podcast about the uh, youth themes, but we have... I hammered this home. We have nothing to prove. Make me worthy of God. my love, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. We have nothing to prove to God. We have nothing to prove to ourselves. And my understanding of the atonement is that we have already been made worthy. Worthiness comes from the root word worth. And we learn in the Doctrine and Covenants, among other places, that the worth of souls is always great in the sight of God because of the redemption. So there's nothing left to prove there. So I think that's a problematic statement. Now I've got this other statement that's even more problematic. You'll Hold on. It, just really quickly. I want to make sure because I want to give us all context. You're reading the beginning of the 1990. Correct. So like the equivalent in um, the new one, you're reading like the first presidency statement. Is that correct? correct? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So here is the next paragraph that I'd like to read, uh, which is again, sort of in the introductory section of the 1990 strength of the youth or the strength of the youth why standards it asks standards are rules or guidelines given to help you measure your conduct oh that hurts my as it should that hurts my everything <laughs> yes <laughs> measure your conduct why has the lord given standards he wants all his children to return to live with him one day however he knows that only those who are worthy will be able to live with him. Standards help you know how well you are preparing to live with your father in heaven. Okay. Mm. So it's a measuring mm. stick. Yeah. So standards are a way that you, 16-year-old Nathan, can give yourself a grade. How are you doing? Are you an A? Are you a B? Are you an F? You have to measure your worthiness, not because it's inherent, but because it is production-based. So can you please measure your worthiness based on your current production and give yourself a grade? It's the transactional gospel. Yeah. And the thing that comes up for me, Nathan, as you talk about this is that to the extent that you and I read that and internalized it, that became 
how we lived our lives and raised our children. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, absolutely. and so what the kids are learning through the strength of the youth is the thing that they internalize and it becomes their own theology for life if they take it seriously. And then if these things are deeply embedded enough, they end up actually perpetuating perpetuating this onto the next generation. So a misunderstanding of the infinite nature of the atonement of Jesus Christ yes. to me is the foundational problem with what you just read. A absolutely. And it's a shame-based right. gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's something that needs to be earned. Your um, worthiness is still in the balance. And you need to keep doing more and more and more stuff which again, honestly, I hate to say this, but that's one of the other nine components of a spiritually abusive system too, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is, um, is this idea of lots of performance and lots of performance based measurements yes. that you put on yourself and that the church puts on you basically to sort of manage and control you and help you learn how to manage and control yourself, but not in so doing, uh, finding any kind of actual authentic relationship between yourself and God. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it damages your relationship with you because you believe that your worthiness is still in the balance. Well, and also I think when you have that kind of a mindset, you're never going to get it right. Right. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like whatever you do, it just isn't quite enough. Right. It's never enough. That's yeah. right. And, and there's this sense of like, well, I, I did this enough, but I didn't do that enough and I wasn't perfect here. And so I better do more of that. And what it does yeah. is it, it creates a theology of anxiety. Exactly. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, because, you're welcome. Because that's coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's more theology of anxiety okay, coming. Okay, so proceed. Okay. So I just wanted to point this out. There's a section called mental and physical health. And there's three paragraphs in this section called mental and physical health. Uh, it starts with eating right and getting enough sleep. Then it talks about not using drugs or alcohol and the importance of keeping the word of wisdom which I think are good things, but notice they called it mental and physical health. And then all they talk about is the physical health. In 1990, the church oh. had no idea what to do with mental health. Sure. They had no idea how to address depression. They had no idea how to address anxiety. In fact, in their minds, what they're really saying here is the better you keep the commandments, the happier you'll be. We don't need to talk about depression mm -hmm. and anxiety because we've already addressed it. Go back to the previous paragraph about yeah. keeping all the commandments and, right. and, and, and making sure you're keeping all the standards. I just thought that was a very glaring omission. That's fascinating. To have a section that yeah. says mental health and then talk about word of wisdom and getting enough sleep. So to me, that tracks with what the larger culture was doing poorly. Mm -hmm. I don't want to under estimate the importance of what you just said. And yet at the same time, I also like to sort of make sure we're looking at culture at large. Yes. And to, I thought about that. Yeah. To sort of understand better that we have come a long way as a culture from 1990 to the 2020s in um, reducing stigma, in speaking into the importance of like the actual importance of mental health, not to jump ahead too quickly and stay there. But I did notice in my like really, really combing through 2022, multiple times and places, they recommend professional counseling. Right. I mean, like multiple times. And so huge step forward, huge step forward there. Whereas back in the nineties, there was a lot of shame associated with ignorance, shame, repentance, culture, Right. you know, our family doesn't get depressed because 
you know, we, we go to the, the temple. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we've come along. I mean, I'm not saying that there are not still remnants of that because I, I dare say that there are still remnants of that, but I think we are making progress mm-hmm. both as a culture and as a church. So let's give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Okay. One last thing I wanted to, to, to bring out here when we were talking about anxiety. Okay. So, so listen to this. I mean, this is almost hard to believe that they wrote this in the youth manual. You may remember there's going to be like 12 year old kids reading this, right? Okay. So the miracle of forgiveness is real and true repentance is accepted by the Lord. Full repentance of some sins requires that we not only confess and resolve them with the Lord, but also do so with the church. Okay. Now we're going to talk about more about this in our, in our combing of the, the recent for the strength of the youth. Okay. But anytime you put anything else with the Lord, I have a problem with it. Yeah. You need to end the sentence sooner. You can say the Lord and the church. Nope. And the Senate sooner Lord and the prophet and the Senate sooner. (laughs) It's the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I will put one caveat in there that I do agree with, which is that if we've hurt somebody, we should Mm. talk to them too. Sure. Okay. But the repentance process is between us and the Lord. All right. Bishops and stake presidents have been appointed by revelation to serve as judges. Okay. So now we've introduced the courtroom. Okay. You are going to court and what will you be judged on? Well, of course you're going to be judged on how well you kept the standards because that's how we've been grading ourselves, but it gets better. Only the Lord can forgive sins. Thank you. That's good. However, we've added, but priests and leaders can assist the transgressor in in the repentance process. In the case of serious transgression, church disciplinary action could be required and disfellowshipment or excommunication could result. That's a heavy, that's a lot. That's heavy for a strength of the youth manual, yeah. isn't it? You know, you know what I'm wondering, Nathan? It to me, well, remind me of the opening sentence. Put a little closer. The miracle of forgiveness. Did I hear that? Yeah, the miracle of forgiveness. Yeah, see, I, I think that's this is this is a carryover of the Spencer W. Kimball miracle of forgiveness era. Right. Where I was just listening to a different podcast from the Sunstone organization on something having to do with forgiveness. And it was wonderful. And the gentleman talking about it was offering his own reflections on his first reading of the miracle of forgiveness all those years ago and how Spencer Kimball committed 60 pages. <laughs> to the ways that one could sin. <laughs> so we were very wow. committed to, to our prescribing and talking about the gravity of sin in our depraved nature <laughs> back in the, what it was the eighties and nineties, right? Yeah, right. Okay. So what we want to do for the next couple of minutes is Nathan and I both, uh, we're jumping away from 1990s and going to another pretty significant for the strength of the youth manual, uh, for ourselves, mainly because this is the, so the 2010, and that was because this is what we really, um, in our more orthodox days, especially, boy, we spent a, a <laughs> lot of family home evenings in this manual, didn't we? Yes, we did. We need to probably apologize to our adult children. Our, our younger ones, I don't think were, they were all checked out. They were too little or didn't care, but our adult daughters probably have a few things to say about this. So, okay. But what we want to do is we want to spend a few minutes talking just about some good changes. In other words, we're going to go really deep in the next few weeks into the current manual, but today we're going to just hit on a couple of things that we see as progress. We're going to make some comparisons in a couple of sections between 2000. I said 2010, it would appear it's 2011. 11. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do that right now. Why don't you go ahead and start with yours and then I have a couple. Okay. So one of the problems that I have had with the, the for the strength of the youth manual um, 
is that it's very prescriptive. And, and when we say the word prescriptive, what it means is, is that it spells out in great detail what proper obedience looks like. Um, and we've kind of been joking about that uh, from the 1960 manual, but in a more serious tone, it can be quite damaging. So I'm going to give a for example. I mean, we could use all kinds of examples from this pamphlet, but I'm going to give a for example. And this is from the section called the Sabbath or keeping the Sabbath day holy. This is 2011, right? 2011. Okay. So it says the Lord has given the Sabbath day for your benefit and has commanded you to keep it holy. Observing the Sabbath will bring you closer to the Lord and your family. It will give you needed rest and rejuvenation. Okay. Now check this out. Many uplifting activities are appropriate for the Sabbath. Worshiping the Lord, attending church, spending quiet time with your family, not loud time, quiet time, <laughs> <laughs> not with friends, your family, mm -hmm. studying the gospel, writing letters, writing in your journal, doing family history work, visiting the sick and the homebound. That's a very like Wasatch fronty kind of Good. Sunday afternoon. Doesn't it feel like that? Like it, it's very, very kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry to you out in the Wasatch front. I actually am from there. So I love you <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I'm just thinking that it's very it's it's not um, multicultural. It doesn't sort of pay attention to the fact that people live different kinds of lives and can worship in their own yeah. very beautiful and sacred ways that looks very different than that. Absolutely. And, and I think this is the whole point. Okay. So it says, let me finish this paragraph. And Sorry. Then, no, no, it's okay. It says your dress before, during, and after church should show respect for the Sabbath. Right. So I'm basically are implying stay in your Sunday clothes. Okay. We have had family members who have had fights in their marriage over whether it's appropriate to go on a hike in the mountains on a Sunday. Okay. And those kind of arguments originate from sentences and paragraphs like this, because you could go back here and say, well, gosh, they gave us a list of like eight things we can do on the Sabbath mm -hmm. and hiking in the mountains isn't on here. So therefore it must be out. And, and I think this is exactly the kind of box thinking that is driving people crazy. Well, it's got a, there's problems on multiple levels and one of them is that if you come from the era that you and I came from, I don't know, maybe this is beyond our time frame, but I'm thinking about when you and I were both serving missions together and it was all about exact obedience. Mm -hmm. And so if you kind of really, really push this idea that the ones that are the best, the loved most by God are exactly obedient, and then they hand you a supplemental handbook of how to be exactly obedient. Yeah. And what you have created is a community of automatons, yeah. little robots. Yeah. Nobody can think. Yeah. And we don't actually pause and recognize that these things may be nonsensical, <laughs> right? Like they may not make sense at all in the context sure. of, I have a, another story of a, of a friend whose family was on a family vacation and they were, they live on the West coast and they were camping as an extended family on the beach mm -hmm. over a weekend. Yeah. And the exactly obedient portion of the larger family would not touch the water the entire Sunday. Oh, wow. They sat in their tents and maybe did quiet time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it couldn't be loud time because there's <clears> But they couldn't, um, they didn't have the, the ego structure or the confidence to acknowledge that under the circumstances and maybe even under different circumstances, right? I mean, seriously, but I'm just to, to prove my point, these folks couldn't recognize that their keeping of the Sabbath could have looked very, very different than what they um, demanded of themselves. And mm. it actually caused schisms actually in the larger family, because I think there were some 
folks on the side of like, you know, rubbing the brain cells together and going, this makes no sense. And then the other sort of like exactly obedient folks that were holding what they thought was the moral high ground and wouldn't do anything. I mean, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm illustrating, I'm using these illustrations to rec or to help us all see that when we prescribe in these sort of values manuals, like these, this is a manual that states who we are and what we believe. Right. Right. And when we do that, we cause a lot of trouble and we even potentially cause conflict in the home when somebody wants to use their own um, God-given consciences to do something differently. We've got to move away from the prescriptiveness. And luckily, to some degree, we are. Yeah. So the 2011 manual was also the first one to introduce the idea of covering your shoulders for girls. And I don't know how many fights we had in our family with our teenage daughters over shirts that didn't cover their shoulders. I'm so sad that I got sucked into that. Yep. I and really am. We did. And I did too. And, and it makes no sense because seriously, like a shoulder. I know. Ugh. But it it was the, the, the consternation that it created was so disproportionate to what a loving Christ-centered family should be able to enjoy as we make moral choices ourselves based on our agency the, the, the situation with our own family, our own children, and our own psychological freedom. Um, but we did it, and we did it over and over again. And so anyway, for me, that's why I see the 2022 manual, although not perfect, as a step forward. I do think there is some positive change that has come forward. So I'm gonna, other thoughts? Yeah, I do have a couple other thoughts. Okay. So a couple of specific examples um, co- comparing and contrasting 2011 with 2022 is, um, 2011 around dating. You should not date until you are at least 16, right? To yes. 2022, which is 16 is a good guideline. It may be arguable that they don't say they don't prescribe a number at all. I think that I would go that far, but I'm going right. to give them credit right. that a guideline is better than a mandate Yes, because that what it, what it does in some ways is it it frees the orthodoxy to begin to just tip their toes in the waters of using their own minds. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us may or may not need the prescription. I mean, we don't need them, but we would probably be okay to just ignore them anyways. But I think also you have to look at what the orthodoxy is doing in terms of trying itself to grow up and respond to the needs of the worldwide orthodoxy, right? Right. Okay. Another example is dress and appearance. In the 2000, I probably won't read this, but in the 2011, oh wait, we kind of already covered this, didn't we? A little bit. Well, anyhow, it talks about um, <laughs> short shorts, short skirts, things that, I mean, it talks about parts of the anatomy, uh, covering the stomach, low cut front, low cut back. I mean, it's very prescriptive, but I will also mention that in a troubling way, it's very prescriptive about the boys or the girls <laughs> and says almost nothing about the boys. Right which in and of itself is just has, there's volumes to say about that, that is problematic. And in the 2022, it basically just says, as you make decisions, just think about honoring your body. And it's, it's very vague. I have a little bit more to say about that as far as how it's worded, but I think I'll pause there just because I think we're making some progress by being vague. Anytime it turns from a rule to a guideline, I'm going to be grateful. Right. Okay, so I think we're at a stopping point. We are going to jump in in the next couple of weeks, as I said, to some of the specifics in the 2022 manual for the strength of the youth. 
And so if this has been helpful for you to sort of set up how we're doing as a church at large, then hopefully you'll be excited to stay with us in the next uh, two, three, I don't know, episodes. And we'll really have some fun digging into this. It's been, Nathan and I've put quite a bit of time and energy studying this and talking about it. And it's done us well. It's been really good. We've had some pretty interesting conversations about this. Haven't even agreed on everything, actually, which is no highly uncommon. Actually, <laughs> we, we talked this morning about we're going to talk about a section that yeah. we saw very differently. Right. And that's going to be good. Okay. So time to close up, you guys. So grateful to have you here with us once again. This is such a joy and a pleasure to be on this journey with each and every one of you. It is a, even more of a joy and a pleasure to have a relationship with some of you as these small groups have been forming and, and we're getting more and more. We're starting a couple in the next couple of weeks and probably a couple more at the beginning of the year because of the, um, because of the need and the numbers of people that are reaching out to me and those in the groups are doing so we're having such a great experience. Aren't we, Nathan? We are. I, I, love I mean, them. it's, it's amazing. So if you're interested in joining one of these small groups, uh, just, just imagine if you will, that it's, it's a community of, of people who are open, loving, and compassionate, warm, and accepting, and just want to understand and know your heart. I mean, we're, we've got two groups running now, and both of them are just amazing and touching. And I find the, this to be a gift to me. So hopefully it's a gift to you too. If you want to join one, um, info at ValerieHammaker.com is how you can reach out to me to get more information, or you can jump onto Instagram and catch me at Latter-day Struggles Podcast. I've also been getting some requests for individual therapy or coaching. If this is something that interests you, you can catch me at those same handles or addresses, and I will connect you with some of the people that uh, work for me that are taking a lot of new clients. So grateful to have you guys here. As always, please pause and rate and review this podcast. It is in fact helping. I know it is. And I know that a lot of you are sharing and I invite you to please continue to do so. The sharing that you're doing is, um, is in fact making a difference. So please continue to do so. And if you haven't, maybe today's your day to do that. Okay, you guys, grateful to be with you all and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.